2: Winner, winner,
1: this is Straight of Vegas
2: Straight of Vegas
0: With the voice of Vegas Your host, R.J. Bell
5: Pay that man his money You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge Live
0: from the Vegas Strip The pregame show America has always wanted With R.J. Bell out Here's Bernie Fratto
2: And then there was one It'll be Monday for all the marbles, but what a ride so far. Now, see, For me, the Final Four was the redemption tour. Tom Izzo, 1-11 against Duke, found redemption. Chris Beard, whose team was picked to finish 11th in the Big 12, coaching a school who'd never even been to a Final Four, found redemption. Much maligned Bruce Pearl, whose school, living in the shadow of SEC rival Kentucky, found redemption. And Virginia. The only number one seed to advance to the Final Four, the only number one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed, found redemption. But only two survived the final round and advanced to Monday. And the redemption tour continues. Virginia, with that young man, Kyle Guy, a young man who got death threats last year after they lost to Maryland Baltimore County. Six points in the last seven seconds of the game, including three free throws one for the ages Texas Tech now this is a school they've won eight tournament games total since their inception of playing basketball in 1925 under Chris Beard today they won their eighth and if they finish it up on Monday that'll be their ninth and on that note Welcome back to another edition of Straight Out of Vegas. RJ Bell is on the I'm Bernie Frata. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. This is the weekend edition of Straight Out of Vegas. You know, Straight Out of Vegas airs Monday through Friday right here on Fox Sports Radio, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM Channel 83, 3 to 4 Pacific, 6 to 7 Eastern with RJ Bell, Steve Fezick, Brad Powers. And Jonas Knox. And regardless of the season, know this. As RJ Bell says, we promise to deliver the Vegas truth to you every Saturday night. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. Let's dive right into it. Texas Tech, Michigan State, a number three seed, Texas Tech. By the way, if you were looking for an angle in this game, all time number three seeds are six and one against the spread in the final four. Number two seeds, Michigan State was two seeds of three-point favorite or better, which they weren't. They opened at three, got down to two, only one and five against the number. By the way, Kirk Cousins at the game today for Michigan State. I understand he spoke to the team on Friday. (laughs) Uh, Well, I, I don't think it worked. And by the way, I don't think anything that happened today helped Kirk Cousins' QBR rating in Minnesota, but that's a story for a different day. Let's focus on this Texas Tech team I swear to God, it's Bobby Knight's Indiana Hoosiers re- reincarnated. We're looking at an incredibly suffocating, swarming defense. They did an incredible job of double teaming the post today against Michigan State. Their weak side help was phenomenal on offense. They run a motion offense. It's fairly tough to defend it. They do a lot of ball screens. Again, I think I'm looking at Bobby Knight's Indiana teams from the 70s all the way down to the red uniforms. A dreadful. Dreadful first half for Michigan State. They went six minutes and 34 seconds without a basket. What a drought in the first half. Michigan State in the first half. Four points in the paint. Zero bench points. We're talking about a team here in the Michigan State Spartans. They're the ones who knocked out Zion Williamson and Duke. They were the preseason favorite to win it all. And and the regular season favorite to win it all. Three to one odds. This is a team, Michigan State, that had covered 12 straight versus ranked opponents. Now, in the second half, the Sparties came out, and they ran a little more high-low. They attacked the track. Nick Ward did a good job. They even got the game to a one-point deficit. And what does Texas Tech do? They close on a 9-0 run and win 61-51. For the day, Michigan State held to 51 points, a season low. Held to 32% field goal percentage, a season low. 7 of 24 from area code 3, not good. Kenny Goins, scoreless. Sparty now only 2 and 6 in final four games under Tom Izzo. But give it up to Texas Tech. They led 23-21 at the half. They established themselves early. They were just they looked like they had seven guys on the floor when it came to defense. This was a game about toughness, pace, physicality, defense. When Texas Tech defends you, you get no free catches in space. Shooters, they may receive the ball on the floor, but they're going to be forced to put the ball on the floor, which disrupts their rhythm, which means you don't just catch the ball and shoot it. They're going to chase you off the three-point line. The bottom line is this still was a very good game, 15 lead changes, and like I said, Michigan State closed – to within a point sleepy 52 51 only to have texas tech step on their neck they advanced to the finals for the first time in school history
4: well bernie i'm convinced that after today's effort from texas tech this is the best defense that i've ever seen the 1996 kentucky defense i remember that defense that was pretty elite uh in my book but this red razor defense is just absolutely smothering also let's give it up To the player of the game, Matt Mooney, his second half three-point shot burning was absolutely deadly. I felt that Mooney was the reason why Texas Tech got that first big margin in the second half.
2: Spot on, Sleepy. Now, I look, the other game was a pretty darn good game, too. Mm. And before I get to our analysis of Auburn-Virginia and our look ahead to Virginia-Texas Tech on Monday, and by the way, Virginia has opened up as a one-point favorite. And we're going to really chop that up in a minute here. What's interesting about how the college game has changed, enabled a team like Auburn to do what they did this year. And I'm going to tell you why. In this cut coming up, Brad and RJ highlight the fact that like Bob Dylan once said, the times they are changing and so are offenses in college basketball. As such, a certain aspect of the game has created a great equalizer for almost any modern offense. And frankly, You need to factor this in
5: when you're handicapping college basketball. Let's take a listen. But the thing that Brad uncovered, first guy I heard say it, and let's say it one more time because it bears repeating, was the stat on three-point shooting.
3: Yeah, Duke as a team hits only about 30% of their three-point attempts. If Duke were to make the final four, hitting just 30%, Duke would have been the first team ever, ever, forget the championship, ever to make the final four, hitting such a low percentage from three. And we've made the case, RJ, the three-point shot is valued, probably 10 times more valuable than what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And all those teams still had a better three-point shooting performance as a team than what Duke did this year. And to me, that's the story.
5: I'd make the case that the way the game is played today is very different than pre Golden State. And if you're handicapping without an eye towards that, you're making a monster mistake. Which team do you think is the most modern offensively of the four
3: left? I actually say it's the the team that's the biggest long shot, Auburn, who's now 7-1. to one. They rely so heavily on the three-point shot. They're top 10 as far as three-point attempts per game. And also, Auburn very good at shooting the three in the top 15 as far as percentages. I would say Auburn is. Now, by the way, 29 out
5: of 30 years, champs been a four-seater batter. So Auburn is the one team yep. that would be bucking history. Yep.
2: Yes, there's no doubt. The three-point weapon has become the instrument in a coach's artillery to level the playing field. But as we've learned, it's not the be-all, end-all. You know, there are little things like rebounding and turnovers and good fundamental team basketball. But be mindful of matchups and a team's true strength because it's not a coincidence that three-point shooting elevated Auburn to its first-ever Final Four. Without that ability... Auburn simply wouldn't have been as successful this season. By the way, Auburn was a cool twenty-two and sixteen against the number this year, so that's a really nice, tidy fifty-eight percent, which is a solid showing for their backers. And a lot of folks were on Auburn today, grabbing the points. Let's not forget, if you had Auburn plus five or plus six or whatever you got him at, you cashed, and they also covered the second half as well. For the record, Auburn was nine of thirty-one from behind the uh, three-point line today. But keep this in mind. They had a 14-0 run in the last three minutes to actually take the lead with 17 seconds to go. Auburn was very close, sleepy, to becoming a team of destiny this year because they were really sensational in the NCAA tournament. Really got to tip their cap. I know everybody said they barely survived the New Mexico State game, which is true, but they led by nine with a minute to go. But then they knocked out Kansas, blue blood. North Carolina, blue blood. By 17. Mm Mm-hmm. Kentucky in overtime, blue blood. It's a shame that they lost Chuma Akiki because we'll never know what would have happened. But, you know, Auburn erased a 10-point deficit in the final five minutes. They wouldn't go away. When it comes to Virginia, they're becoming a team, Sleepy. You don't ask Kyle just how many. They almost spit the bit against Purdue. Somehow they pulled it out. We, you saw what happened today. It was, a, it was a comedy of errors almost in a sense in, in which... There was a time, perhaps, they should have fouled Kyle Guy when he made the three. Then they obviously shouldn't have fouled him when he shot the three. Then you had the double-dribble deal and the whole thing. But here we are. The Cavaliers are on the verge of making one of the most memorable turnarounds in March Madness history.
4: I got a question, Bernie. Do you think that they're actually playing well, or do you think that they're just getting lucky? Well, look, I think it's a little bit of both. There's an old
2: saying, they give scholarships on the other side as well. Virginia is playing well enough to be in position to win both their games. They managed to take advantage of it They're not stomping on people's necks like the 1995 UNOV Rebels or like the 96 Kentucky team Mm -hmm. Or even the 2000 Michigan State team coached by Tom Izzo. I covered that team They won all six of their tournament games by double digits. They're not doing that. They're not necessarily passing the eye test sleepy Mm -hmm. but keep you know know this about Virginia their defense is tremendous and that's what's gotten him here. And, and I think that it's a situation where they have the neck they have the best blend maybe of senior leadership, coaching, defense, experience. Do I think they're gonna win Monday? We're gonna tease that for the end of the show. But I think to answer your question, they better be very worried about Texas Tech because according to Ken Palm the Red Raiders own the best defense in the nation, ranking first in defensive in defensive efficiency just allowing 84 points per 100 possessions. The Red Raiders, the entire year, they only allowed 59 points per contest. They allow, what, 51 today against a very good Michigan State team. But who's actually been better than that statistically? Virginia. They allowed only 56 points per game during the regular season, so you can't poo-poo what they've done. Here's what's interesting, and we're going to talk about this at the end of the show when Sleepy gives his best bet. Is this a recency bias situation where you overreact to what you saw last and that Texas Tech looks so stifling, so swarming, so suffocating that they look like a steamroller you can't get in front of? Or is this one of those contrarian situations? And I'll tell you why, Sleepy. Pretty much everybody I know who knows what they're doing in this business had Virginia power-rated number one. Would you agree with that throughout the season? At one point, yes, yes. Certainly for the last month. Mm Mm-hmm. Duke was in there for a while. Gonzaga may have been... Right, but for the most part, Virginia. If you go back just 30 days, if these two teams get together on a neutral floor, Virginia is a six- to seven-point favorite. They're a one-point favorite Monday. Where's the value in
4: this game? It would have to be with Virginia know if we're going off of past results.
2: Yeah. Well, look, that's why they play the games, and you really got to give it up to Chris Beard. I I can only say that Virginia, you know, they earned, they earned that win today. It wasn't pretty. But again, Auburn had to go on a fourteen zero run, what, in the last three minutes to actually take the lead? So why can't Virginia close teams out? Why can't they step on their neck? Is it not in their DNA? I kind of beat my chest before the tournament saying I didn't think it would be Virginia. Right. If they do win it, I'll tip my cap. I don't know if it's in their DNA. But when I see Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome make plays when they need to be made, And by the way, they combined for 50 points against Purdue. So they're doing what they need to do when they need to do it. And that's why they call this tournament uh, Survive and Advance. So (laughs) Virginia is very live Monday. We're going to talk about that toward the end of the show. Now, you know, a cool thing happened this week in Vegas. Uh, The NFL Futures win totals came out. And does it turn out that Cleveland Rocks? We're going to talk about that and give you our thoughts. By the way, great news. There's a quick and easy way to which you could save money. Switch to GEICO. It only takes 15 minutes to see if you could save 15% or more on car insurance. So go to GEICO.com and see how much you could save. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the GEICO Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas.
7: Plus, in most eligible states, age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick six not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up to date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick six states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick promos.
0: There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time.
2: We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Frato coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Before we get to NFL future win totals, which were released this week in Las Vegas, a guy named Aaron Rodgers was in the news this week, and in this cut, the guys examine Aaron Rodgers and his relative ranking to the other 31 NFL quarterbacks. The question is, how did they arrive at this conclusion? Now, pay close attention because RJ talks about a very analytical way that the pros use to determine who, you know, who's a prolific NFL quarterback in terms of when it comes to
5: producing offense. Give it a listen. I think if you ask the average fan how good is Aaron Rodgers— you would get, man, he's good as talented, you know, talented as any quarterback ever in his prime. Hey, he's moving into his mid 30s. He's dropped off a little bit, but if he's healthy, he's still the best quarterback in the NFL. Now you've got your pheasant quarterback ratings. Where do you right now today have Aaron Rodgers? I have him number one RJ. So you so so what you're saying is you <laughs> and the guy on the street, Freddie Fanny Pack, would say the same thing. You know, one of the numbers, and and there's no one number that's perfect for quarterbacks. But I tell you this, if you wanted to make the case that Aaron Rodgers was an all-timer, as good as any quarterback ever, probably the stat you would have used in his prime, and we'll talk about that in the past tense, Aaron Rodgers prime, the stat you would have used is yards per attempt. So what does that mean? Go back. Attempt to pass, 10 yard completion. Next pass, incomplete. Yards per attempt, five. Two attempts, ten yards. So what does it do? It benefits you if you complete it, but it really penalizes you if it's dink and dunk. Right. So you got a guy goes might only complete 60% of his passes, but he's going downfield, can I have a better yards per attempt than 70% completions, never going downfield. It's a great number. I'd make the case amongst the simple stats and not indexes like QBR or whatever, which adds up a bunch of stats, yards per attempt might be the best stat for quarterbacks. Agree, disagree.
1: Yeah, I I
0: agree. And it goes back to the whole overall how good is a football team yards per play. Very similar stat, yards per attempt for the quarterback.
5: So up until four years ago, all right, so not last season or the season before, season before, season before, but the fifth season back, at that point, Aaron Rodgers – had the best yards per attempt in the history of the NFL. And that number was over eight yards per attempt. Now
2: notice how RJ uses, quote, yards per attempt, not yards per play, not yards per completion, but rather, quote, yards per attempt. This is a high compliment for Rodgers because quarterback, what's the position you play with your eyes? You receive the ball, you make your post-snap reads after making your pre-snap reads, of course. You make split-second decisions, and then you have to execute. And executing, of course, that requires elite physical ability. But because Rodgers' yards per attempt is so high compared to his quarterback brethren, this is evidence he's keeping his eyes downfield. He's seeing the field in an advanced way that very few can. As such, Rodgers, regardless of what you may think of him, he's responsible for fruitful offensive production in a way that puts his team in the best position to score points And win games and speaking of winning games the NFL came out this week with their futures wins totals and the flashpoint for all discussions were the Cleveland Browns the Cleveland Browns nine is their number they won seven games last year now that means if you bet the over Cleveland has to win ten games this year Let's chop this up for just a second because I cannot recommend that you play the over. But let's talk about some pros and cons. First of all, look, Cleveland was 5-2 and two in their last seven games last year down the stretch. They had 25 offensive touchdowns under Baker Mayfield in their last eight games. They have the fourth easiest schedule this year. They play three rookie head coaches and they only have to play four playoff teams. But here's the big butt, Pee-wee. The Browns have only gone over nine wins twice in the last 31 years. That's it. Freddie Kitchen, he was great as the interim offensive coordinator last year. Interim head coach, whatever you want to call it. He's now been handed the keys to the car. He's got eight games in his career. Baker Mayfield, he's got half a season. And no Greg Williams. The culture, learning to win, that's not something you do overnight. Do you really trust the Cleveland Browns? You saw you heard the stories in Green Bay this week. Cleveland's gonna have a lot of egos in that locker room. I'm not casting aspersions. I'm not creating problems that don't exist yet and try to solve them. I'm merely saying that if everybody thinks everything's gonna be copacetic there this year, well that would be outside the norm. By the way, let's give this some perspective in the sense that Cleveland, they don't exist in a vacuum. They're part of a division that has Pittsburgh. Now Their over-under is also nine wins this year. But in the Ben Roethlisberger era, the Steelers have never won less than eight games in any season. Their offense last year, even without Le'Veon Bell, they, they put up 51 touchdowns. That's a franchise record. And in case you haven't noticed, winning is in their DNA. Pittsburgh is an incredibly resilient organization. They've got to play the Browns twice. I can imagine... How the Steelers feel knowing that heading into the season, they're perceived as an underdog since everybody in the Western Hemisphere has the Cleveland Browns winning the uh, AFC Central. Let's go to Baltimore. Their over-under is 8.5 wins. Now they won 10 games last year. They won their division. Their 2018 defense was top two in points and yards allowed. I know they lost some people, but they also picked up Earl Thomas. They lost four starters, but they picked up Earl Thomas. Again, you've got DNA in Baltimore. You've got a culture in Baltimore. When they get on the field with Cleveland twice, that ought to be a lot of fun, frankly. And let's not forget the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, they're also in the division, and they give their guys scholarships too. It's a National Football League team. Even though they're over under six wins, new coach. Yeah, their defense is brutal, couldn't stop a parade. Allowed 6,700 yards last season. Over 400 yards per game, worse than the NFL. Yes, I know they were outscored by 87 points. Well, they brought in a new coach, Zach Taylor, and obviously they're going to need to draft defense. Cincinnati, things aren't looking up. But something always manages to happen in that in-state rival when Cincinnati and Cleveland get on the field. Now, look, I'm not trying to throw cold water on Cleveland. I think it would be a great story if Cleveland got to the playoffs, if Cleveland made some noise, Cleveland's a great city with great sports fans. They deserve it. You were teased a few years ago, 15 years ago, when he had Butch Davis. It's been a long time since they've had something to celebrate in football, and I mean a long time. Now they have expectations to deal with. They didn't have that last year. That's a different dynamic. Like I said, you've got a coach who was an interim coach last year, eight games, Baker Mayfield, half a season. No Greg Williams. He was your defensive coordinator that gave that team its swagger. I say pump the brakes just a bit. We'll talk about how you can make money on Cleveland from a betting standpoint as we get closer to football, but I don't think I'd bet the over in nine wins. By the way, have you ever taken a drive down Magnolia Lane? I have. I'll explain. You'll know what I'm talking about in a minute. There's a little golf tournament that starts Thursday, and we're going to chop it up.
7: But first... Let's go to the dulcet tones of Brian Finley with the latest. Hey, thank you so much, Bernie. Matt Mooney sizzles with 22 points to help propel Texas Tech past Michigan State. 61-51 Saturday in the Final Four. In an era where we attach so much to recruiting rankings and five stars, Mooney is the exception to the rule. Received few offers out of high school. Here he is after Saturday's win. I'm living the dream right now. I'm so grateful. I got another opportunity. I'm so grateful for this coaching staff believing in me. Uh, my teammates believing in me and welcoming me into this program. You know, I love South Dakota. I love the people there. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for my experience at Air Force, too. It's just been a journey. What a way to cap his career if Texas Tech could get past Virginia in the title game. The Cavs tiptoe past Auburn 63-62 Saturday in the Final Four. An iffy foul call put Kyle Guy at the line for three free throws with .6 of a second left. He made all of them to secure the win. UVA got a break when the officials missed a double-dribble call in the closing moments. The championship game is Monday night at 9.20 Eastern. Hey, online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car-buying experience. Naismith Hall of Fame announced its 2019 class on Saturday. Notable entrants include City Moncrief, Bobby Joe, Jack Sikma, Paul Westfall, and Teresa Weatherspoon. Now back to Bernie Fratto in Vegas. Hey Brian, before
2: I uh, dive into Masters talk, quick question for you. Will Tiger Woods win a major in 2019?
7: I think we all want to see the redemption story of Tiger coming back and winning it. I will be rooting him on. I don't know if he'll get there. I, I don't think this year he will, but I... I want so badly to see him go from the top to the bottom, back to the top. I think it would be an incredible story. I just don't think it's going to happen.
2: Fair enough, Brian, and I agree. America loves a comeback story. Tiger just turned 43 on December 30th. Ryan Bershinger, will Tiger win a major in 2019? You know what? Let's get wild. I'm gonna call it. I'll say that he does. Uh, I won't be the Masters, though. It'll be the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, 19 years after he won it there last time. Wow, that's that's a firing your shot, bud. That's good. We'll be talking about that in June. Perfect. Well, for the record, tigers tigers 14 to one in this year's Masters, which starts Thursday. And before we get into the Masters and. I'm going to give you three golfers I think can win and then predict who I think will win. And one of them is not Tiger. As a matter of fact, I'll make a bold prediction. I don't think Tiger's going to finish in the top 10. Look, I was at the 1999 Masters. I followed Tiger. I followed John Daly. I followed Vijay Singh. It was great. I was unbelievable going down to Augusta. Later that year at the TPC in Dearborn, I interviewed Jack Nicklaus. And I asked him flat out, and this is when Tiger was flying high. This is 1999. Jack, will Tiger break your record of 14 majors, excuse me, of 18 majors? And Jack says, yeah, he will, but he's got to do it. Here's what I mean by that. I want to see what his life looks like after he's had his first major injury and after he's married and he's got kids. Well, fast forward to Thanksgiving in 2009 and it all kind of came crashing down. We know what happened. I don't need to revisit that. But I don't think that was his downfall. When you, Of course, when you add up the injuries and the surgeries and He's violent swing, and I think he is broken down, and I don't think he's physically as capable as he has been. And the field's a lot better. But something happened on May third, two 2006, which I believe changed Tiger forever. That's when his father Earl Woods died. Now, Earl Woods was his soulmate. That, I think, was more devastating to Tiger than anything. And I saw Tiger that August at the Buick Open playing a practice round. He hit a shot and slammed a club. He wasn't himself. He wasn't the same. That was three months after his dad died. I don't think he's ever been the same. By the way, Tiger did win the Buick Open that year, but when it comes to majors, other than 2008 in the uh, you know extra time against Rocco Mediate, he's not won one. I don't think he's winning one this year, and I don't and I know i certainly he's not winning the Masters. We'll be on next Saturday night to talk about that. Sleepy, do you have any thoughts? Do you you think Tiger can win?
4: I will probably be one of the sharpest guys in the squarest line at the sports book. I'm actually going to take Tiger. I think what I saw last year was he, he he made some serious strides, Bernie, in the right direction. And if you go back and you you have a conversation with a lot of, you know, the straight out of Vegas guys, they think that Tiger Woods was playing some of the best golf. Yeah, but he didn't ever. close. I understand that, but. Warning track power. I understand, but we haven't heard anything about Tiger in the off season. I, I think we're going to hear about it in the Masters. I'm going to put money on him. I'll...
2: Okay, fair enough. That, that makes one of us. <laughs> 14 to 1. Mm-hmm. Here are a couple guys I think can. Jordan Spieth, I know it's been a bit of a rough season for him so far this year. But here's a guy, he's a former Masters champ. He took home the Green Jacket in 2015. And he's had a pair of runner-ups and a third-place finish in five starts of the Masters. By the way, last year he shot 64 in the final round on his way to a third-place finish. You can get Spieth right now at 20-1. to I like him better than Tiger, even though the odds are better for Tiger. Justin Thomas. Here's a kid... He's first among all PGA players in birdie average, 5.1, and scoring average, 69.4. He's also ninth and 10th in birdies and eagles per hole. He's got a lot of fancy stats, and it's a shot-making course. I will tell you those greens are like uh, glass. I've walked that course. I've seen it. Now, the caveat here is Justin Thomas only finished 17th last year, but because of his shot-making ability, and he's been... The number one player in the world. He's a guy to watch this year. You can get him at 14-1. to But here's who I think is going to win the Masters. Young man by the name of Rory McIlroy. You can get him at 8-1. to He has never won a Masters, but all he needs to do is win the Masters to complete a career Grand Slam. Now, the closest he's ever come to getting the green jacket was 2015. He placed fourth. But he seems to be more confident as of late. And right now... He's the top PGA player in strokes, gained off the tee, which some experts consider is a huge selling factor when it comes to winning this event. And by the way, prior to losing his matchup with Tiger Woods in the recent WGC Dell Technologies Match Play Tournament, McElroy was on fire. He, had a, he tied either sixth for sixth or better in six straight starts, including winning the Players' Championship in early March. I like Rory McElroy. Now, let's take a look at some of the odds here. Justin Rose, 12 to 1. And f- sleepy, feel free to jump in if you have any thoughts on some of these guys. Uh, John Rahm, 16 to 1. Brooks Kepka, 18 to 1. Ricky Fowler, 18 to 1. Look how good this field is. I mean, this is a talented, talented field. Tommy Fleetwood, 20 to 1. Bubba Watson, 25 to 1. Jason Day, 25 to 1. Francesco Molinari 30 to 1 Patrick Reed last didn't you win in last year Patrick Reed? I believe he did 40 to 1 the only thing is most guys typically don't repeat in the masters Look Tiger Woods last victory at Augusta National came back in 2005 It's forever ago. He currently ranks 72nd on tour with driving accuracy Which I think is going to be a problem at Augusta because the fairways are tighter now and there there's a lot of trees I don't think he's really legitimate to win this tournament. We're going to find out. You say he could win. I respect your opinion a lot, Sleepy. We will be on the air next Saturday night. I can tell you that, and it'll be heading into day four, Mm -hmm. and we'll know if I am full of baloney or not. By the way, I want to remind you that Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by Discover, and Discover alerts you that if you find your Social Security card, try that again, Discover reminds you that if they find your Social Security number on any one of thousands of risky websites, it's free for card members. Just sign up online at discover.com/slash-free-alerts. Limitations do apply. I'm Bernie Fratter. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Frano coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. I want to remind you that Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by Discover. Discover alerts you if they find your social security on any one of thousands of risky websites. It's free for card members. Just sign up online at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. Before we get to best bets, and oh, by the way, Russell Westbrook was in the news this week. Made history, kind of, sort of. I want to thank my broadcast team in Los Angeles. What a great job they do. Ryan Bershinger, man, is so cool. He can send a letter without postage, and it'll get there anyway. Iowa Sam, a wise man who reminds us that money can't buy happiness, but it can't buy a beer. And by the way, Iowa Sam props. He is on top of the FSR bracket pool, and if Texas Tech wins at all on my day, Iowa Sam will be dancing in the aisles. Brian Finley, thanks for all your help tonight. He taught Dick Enberg everything he knew, and of course, my man Sleepy Jay here in Las Vegas, who continues to serve his country with honor and distinction. Russell Westbrook, oh my goodness! In this cut, RJ gives some perspective and texture on Russell Westbrook's 2020 performance this past weekend. RJ does a good job of holding two thoughts concurrently. Simply put, you can be in rarefied air, and you can be mentioned among the greats, and you can have your place in history. guess
5: even if you haven't won a championship let's give it a listen how many titles did george girvin win the ice man the 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 master of the finger roll how many titles did girvin win zero but do we look back and say oh he was a failure
3: (laughs) no we do not
5: so i get it at the highest echelon is going to be the jordan's And it's going to be the title guys, the Bill Russell guys. And we're going to say, okay, LeBron had this many. Michael had this many. And I'm not saying that isn't the ultimate goal. But I look at Stockton and Malone as a great example. Or let's say in today's NBA, let's just say OKC for the next uh, five years makes the playoffs five times, makes one conference final, and they average 54 wins a year, but no titles. Is that a failure? No, it's not. It certainly is a, it doesn't put you in the conversation with Magic and Bird, but it puts you in the conversation with a George Gervin, with a Dominique Wilkins, right? So I, to me, it's like literally since Wilt did it, Michael Jordan had what? A 1,000-plus games to potentially do it. Magic had a 1,000-plus games to potentially do it. Bird. LeBron. LeBron. And I haven't even... Has anyone here even contemplated no. a triple 20? I mean, I've, I, have you ever thought, how cool would it be if someone... Now, a quadruple-double Hakeem had, that was a fascinating thing, right? The blocks being the fourth item. But this guy has done something no one, we haven't even thought of since Wilt did it. And Wilt's a guy that scored 100 points. So, I mean, this is like a whole different universe Wilt was in. So, I totally get saying that the guys at the upper echelon, the guys on the Mount Rushmore's a sport, they need to win titles. But I think you can have an amazing career and one that means something to the city. And I get it. Ultimately, you're counting championships with the Mount Rushmore guys. I mean, I guess as a fan, that's all you can really hopefully ask for, is to have games that matter. And to me, Russell Westbrook, as an individual, no one can deny he's doing things no one has ever done. But as a team player, he's not likely the type to lead to championships some of his personality traits that allow him to do triple 20s probably prevent him from winning titles there's probably an inverse correlation there but he still creates many many games for okc that matter and as a fan i think that has to mean something greater than zero it can't just be titles.
2: you know many years ago there was a debate about who would win a game of one-on-one between magic and michael jordan now chick Hearn. A legendary play-by-play man for the Lakers. He was asked the question but refused to answer. He said, that's a dumb question because basketball is a team sport. I'm okay with Russell Westbrook's Annex. I just don't care. He'll never win a damn thing. He might get his name in the Guinness World Book of Records someday, though. And I guess Magic and Jordan never did that, right? All right, let's get to best bets. Last week, uh, I liked the Dallas Mavericks. They were catching 12. They won outright. We've been hot, sleepy. We talked about this game at the top of the show. Virginia and Texas Tech Monday night, you've got an angle.
4: My best bet, college basketball national championship. I'm going to go ahead and, Bernie, first half under 54 points. Bernie, we know how these type of games start. They start slow. Teams feel each other out. They try to avoid mistakes. Virginia's pace of play, dead last in the nation, 353. Texas Tech, 260, two pace offenses. This is like alpha male versus alpha male for defensive teams. It's a big defensive game here. Line minus one for a reason, Bernie. I want no part of the full game under because of the potential foul fest at the end of this game. So give me, as my best bet, college national championship basketball game, first half under 54 points.
2: Good stuff. We're going to go to the NBA tomorrow for my best bet. The Miami Heat, they're catching 7.5 at Toronto. Now, I would have liked this bet a lot more had Toronto beaten Charlotte Friday night, but look, here's the deal. I'm on the Miami Heat train. The Heat, if they win their next three games, there's three games left in the season, they make the playoffs, they own all the tiebreakers, but that's not the reason. Miami has been polished off three times by Toronto this season, but the Heat, they're 8-4 straight up and 8-3 and three against the spread in what you would call same-season triple revengers. It also ties neatly into the fact that Miami's 9-4 and four with same-season loss revenge in the series when an opponent has a win-loss record of better than 650 win percentage. Here's the best part. Miami is a sparkling 22-8 and eight against the spread, away from home in non-division games this season. Not bad. Meanwhile, the Toronto Raptors, they're a team They took on the Hornets Friday night in a revenge role at Charlotte. I thought they'd win. I didn't touch the game, but they didn't. But here's the deal, Kawhi Leonard and company, they have a really strong hold on the number two seed in the Eastern Conference, and so they're not going to help their position that much, and they're a very spotty 9-22 against the spread at home this season when they have a day off and they're playing a non-division full. By the way, this is an early tip tomorrow, noon Eastern, 9 on the West Coast, so get down early. Also, Toronto... He only 6-14 and 14 against the spread in their last 20 games on Sundays. That means something to me. By the way, okay, so take Miami plus 7.5. Now, by the way, Sleepy and I talked off air. We're going to have a little pizza bet. I think Rory will finish ahead of Tiger. He thinks Tiger will finish ahead of Rory in the Masters next week. So if Tiger finishes ahead of Rory, I owe Sleepy a pizza. If Rory finishes ahead, uh, by the way, I've predicted he'll win it, I owe Sleepy a pizza. Sleepy, ring the bell. There you have it. Next week's Masters. By the way, Sleepy, we only got about 10 seconds. Can anybody know? Next week, by the way, we are going to dive into NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. We'll probably have a guest. Five seconds, Sleepy. Has anybody beaten Golden State?
4: Nope. Okay.
2: <laughs> Nicely done. So the bottom line is we're going to dive into the playoffs because there's still a way to cash tickets. And win money, even if your team doesn't win at all. And we'll talk about that starting next week. Stay tuned up next, the Jason Martin Show.
0: Straight
6: out of Vegas!